0: Hello there, I'm Brett, he is Greg.
1: Hello there. Come ça va, Mr. McGarry?
0: Ça va bien? Oh, good to hear. Yeah, I'm uh, anticipating a sugar crash at any moment. from Yeah, the, uh, yeah. We were talking about, you know, keep taking care of ourselves, whether it's financially or physically. Mm-hmm. The, the, the trip to the, the mall where I walked away with two mega chocolate cookies and a chocolate milk, I'm sure... My body is really happy with me right now. I
1: didn't think about the combination of the triple chocolate cookies and the chocolate milk. Yeah. So yes, if you need to have a nap, <laughs>
0: like just uh, do. give me
1: the high sign and uh, we'll get Tristan Field-Jones in here to fill in for you. Well, that's afternoon. right.
0: He will be doing some fill-in
1: work very soon,
0: next Friday, for example.
1: I know, it's uh, crazy. Our summer holiday schedule is beginning in earnest starting next week. So uh, beware of the revolving door and revolving chair of hosts here on 680 CGOB over the next few weeks. He's Brett, I'm Greg, and uh, downtown Winnipeg, always a source of conversation whenever new plans are announced. We're not at that stage yet for the market lands, the market lands being the area where the... Public Safety building uh, currently sits in the Civic Parkade which has been decommissioned and out of service for some time now. the future of those lands being discussed by Center Venture and uh, the guiding aspirations report released today and Angela Matheson joins us now. she is president and CEO of Center Venture and uh, Ms Matheson, thanks for taking some time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, for those that are unfamiliar, and I just tried to outline basically where the market lands are, there are some restrictions on the potential uses for that piece of property. Is that correct?
2: That's right. It's about uh, two and a half acres. It's right across from the City Hall and the downtown Red River College campus. And about the southern third of the property um, is uh, subject to a historic caveat, which restricts that portion of the property to public use.
0: Why is it called market lands, by the way?
2: Well, it's an interesting history, of course. This is really a center of commerce uh, at the founding of the city of Winnipeg in the late 1800s. And in fact, the first money-raising bylaw of the newly formed city of Winnipeg, uh, one of the things that they uh, taxed the citizens of Winnipeg for was to build a market on these exact lands. And that stood there um, until um, basically 1919.
1: So now we've got this uh, building that's uh, crumbling uh, two buildings, actually, the public safety building. The facade has been a source of consternation uh, for over a decade, forced really the Winnipeg police service to to relocate to other quarters downtown and the civic. Centre Parkade has been closed for well over a year. We might be going on three years there, Angela. You probably know That's better right. than I do. That's right, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, this is a process that obviously takes some time. Consultation is uh, part of the process to redevelop that property. Uh, what is your initial finding in terms of the general population what they'd like to see with that property?
2: we've spent uh, really a busy 3 months uh, meeting with area stakeholders also reaching out to winnipeggers at large really asking them what do they see as the vision for this site And there's a real strong consensus, we think, forming. uh, It's a very large site, as I mentioned, so um, there is the opportunity to do a lot of things here. And there is strong support for it being a mixed-use development, and by that we mean that it would have a mix of housing, residential, apartment-type housing, uh, commercial, retail, as well as public spaces and amenities for people who live and work in the neighbourhood.
0: So would we be looking at uh, likely a a high-rise, perhaps, at least to occupy some of that
2: Well, really, the next stage of our our process, which is going to take us to December, another report to City Council, is looking at those types of questions. Now we're looking at what's the physical plan for the site, so how uh, would the land itself be divided up into buildings and public spaces, perhaps? Uh, new streets or uh, pathways, those kinds of things. And we'll also be looking at the question of, you know, how large should the buildings be? What should the height be? And that's really a process of looking at what fits in with the neighborhood, what makes sense from a market perspective. And that's all, all that we're going to be doing over the next several months.
1: This would be a guess on your part, Angela, but how do you think this process is different now in 2017 than it would have been say in 2007 or 1997. The focus of this part of the downtown quite different in uh, that 10 to 20 year period.
2: Well it's a great question and I think you're 100% right. It has been um, a really rewarding experience for us. I think Winnipeggers Uh, are far more engaged in what's happening in downtown uh, way back than way back then. Uh, We've seen some amazing developments, obviously, the MTS Centre, the Forks, True North Square, our new colleges in the downtown. You know, all of these things are making people a little bit more alert to, uh, first of all, you know, what we can achieve and also, uh, you know, uh, what we want to achieve uh, going forward. And, and I think, um, you know, people now really think that we can achieve something special here. And maybe 10 years ago, we, we would have been a little less optimistic.
0: So the this uh, what you've done here, you took a whole bunch of ideas, hundreds of ideas from Winnipeggers. Just wondering off the top of your head if there is anything odd that jumped out, if anybody had any sort of off-the-wall <laughs> ideas for the space.
2: You know, we didn't have any, you know, hovercraft landing ports or any of those types of things. If that's what you're asking, uh, no, we, there was a really strong consensus. People want to see more of the exchange district. They want to see, uh, you know, the types of events and people milling in the streets and going to cafes and and just being part of urban life. That's what they want to see here. And um, and this report that we've we've issued today, and please go to marketlands.ca to check it out. Really is uh, setting the roadmap for us, where we want to go. And now over the next six or seven months, it's going to be, how do we get there?
1: It's almost ironic. I asked that question about the difference between 10 and 20 years ago. And it's ironic because I think 20 years ago, the easy answer would have been just to put some green space there. And of course, I think that's probably something that people are looking to incorporate. And the irony is the fact that that land may be all too valuable to dedicate it to all green space. That's why the mixed use component is so critical, because all of a sudden we have this piece of property that is worth something on the open market and it demands to be treated properly
2: yeah that 's true and and people people want to see great urban public spaces. Um, I think the one thing that we did learn and, and in fact came across loud and clear is people don 't want a big open space here because um, you know, they want to see a space with lots of people in it, like Old Market Square. It's really a smaller public space where, you know, it's really heavily activated, but not all the time. So we don't want to overbuild those types of public spaces so that they're empty. We want to make sure, like you said, that there's, uh, you know, retail spaces or, you know, public spaces, educational spaces, uh, things around those open spaces that ensure that there's people in coming, coming and going at all, all hours of the day.
0: So I guess then, Angela, what's next here? Does this have to go to City Council? Uh, what's the next step?
2: Uh, well, we made a presentation today to the Standing Committee on Downtown Development, so that, um, that will be conveyed through to City Council. Uh, really, today we were just reporting on what we've heard, and the next stage will be developing, like I said, this physical plan, which will give us a much better sense of what this place will ultimately look like, and that will go to City Council in December of this year.
1: I think about Old Market Square and how that part of our downtown can take you, almost transport you to another place. And I hate saying this, but it's so true. How often when you're at an event or in a new facility or a revamped one and you kind of look around, you go, I don't even feel like I'm in Winnipeg. As an endorsement of how good something's been transformed or built, uh, but I genuinely feel that way when I'm at the Fringe Festival in the Old Market Square. You look around, and you go, "Boy, I feel like I'm somewhere else." And and that's it's odd that that's kind of a good thing in this town. Does that resonate at all with you, Angela?
2: Yeah, it absolutely does. And and I think we've had a lot of these things for a long time. I mean, I think you're right. I think it's a function, though, that people traveling a lot more than they ever used to. Mm-hmm. And they're going to all kinds of places and then suddenly coming back to their hometown and saying, hey, wait a minute, this reminds me, you know, of being in Minneapolis or, you know, being in Portland or other cities where, you know, you have a vibrant, active urban life. And that's what we are. We've always had that to some degree in Winnipeg. But certainly, you're right, in the last decade, that has, has just
1: ballooned. Well, this is pretty exciting stuff, Angela. We look forward to the next phase of this uh, process. It can be frustrating for people like me who like to see things happen a little bit quicker, (laughs) but I'm also heartened by the fact that we're trying to do this right. We're trying to do it in consultation with the the stakeholders so that everybody can uh, get behind the process and whatever project ends up being undertaken here. Uh, We look forward to uh, seeing, like I said, the next step in this process. Thanks very much. Appreciate your time. Angela Matheson, she's president and CEO of Center Venture. Did, does that seem odd to you that the mark of a good development or a good location, good business is one where you walk in, you look around and you squint a little bit and you go, I don't feel like I'm in Winnipeg. Am, am I out of bounds by saying that?
0: I don't think so. I think, that I, I think that's actually a good thing. The fact that it you don't feel like you're in Winnipeg, it could just be that this is something new. Like the odd time that I go, I don't know. I mean, I don't work, used to work downtown when I worked in a call center downtown, and mm-hmm. now the odd time I go downtown, it's usually to meet somebody for a drink once every few months or whatever. I was just at uh, Rudy's recently, uh, and so that's the the, oh, the only time that I get to go anywhere near the hydro building. So it's always kind of neat when I walk in there and I look around, like, oh, this is weird. But so I guess there's some of that. But I don't know that it's, that I don't feel like I'm in Winnipeg. I think it's just something different. But it's, I think it's good when you can have an experience like that because it, it helps to remind you that, yes, there are things to do in this city, and it's not just the same old same old routine that I'm used to. So if you ever feel this urge to complain, not you specifically, Greg, because I know you don't, but if you ever get stuck in that rut where, ah, it's always the same, same garbage here. and what, No, it's not. There's a lot of cool
1: stuff going on. What would you like to see at that old Marketlands uh, property? This may be new terminology to you. It was to me until this morning that that's what they are calling this piece of property, the old public safety building and the Civic Center Parkade. What would you like to see down there? Give us a call, 204-780-6868. We'd love to hear in your own voice your ideas for this part of the Exchange District. On one side, you have the Civic Center, City Hall. On the other side, Red River College. What would you like to see connecting those to what I would call landmarks in our community? Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you.
0: I'm just looking at some of the uh, the feedback here just very quickly. A lot of the feedback is pointing to rehabilitate the parking lot. We need that parking lot, say a lot of people. It will help serve the needs of RRC. So should should they just rehabilitate what's there, fix it up, or should they tear it down and make way for something new? We want to know what you think. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. That's the number to text. You can email gmac at cjob.com and Brett at CJOB.com.
1: Your forecast is up next. It says 13 degrees, feels like 9 with the wind.
0: Yeah, it was, I I walked to work today, and I I did not wear a jacket, and I kind of regretted it.
1: Oh, you didn't wear a jacket?
0: No, I I looked sunny, I didn't look at the temperature, I just walked out, and by the time I realized I probably should have brought a jacket, I just said, forget it, I'm just going to tough through it, but now it's not even sunny,
1: so... Boohoo, I guess. Boohoo on Brett. Uh, I can give you a ride home if you want. If you want to, if you want to wimp out nope. on your no nope. idea of walking home,
0: no, nope. just let me know. I appreciate the offer, but no, I will not be a wimp.
1: Uh, by the way, uh, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the market lands, and this may be brand new terminology to you. The market lands is the piece of property that is uh, right in the middle of really the old old market square, the giant area that used to encompass. Uh, I think they had stables. For the old city horses, for the police and delivery and work vehicles as a part of that property way back in the day. We just know in the last 40 or 50 years, the public safety building and the Civic Center Parkade, the parkade's been closed for three years now. The public safety building now been vacated by the Winnipeg Police Service. They are are in the heart of downtown on Graham Avenue now. Uh, what would you like to see done with that? Centre Venture has started the process of investigating what should happen on those uh, lands, on that piece of property. And we're asking you, what would you like to see there? 780-6868. If you'd like to give us a call or you can text us as, uh, as several of you have already done.
0: Some of those text messages. The first one we we received from, I believe it's John. And it says, let's blow it up and start over.
1: What do you think about what John has to say? I think that's probably what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to blow it up, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to dismantle it in one shape or form and start over again. And I think that's what they they need to do.
0: A lot of te- you no know, part of the the feedback that Centre Venture received as they surveyed hundreds of Winnipeggers, a lot of the the suggestions are leaning towards at the very least trying to keep that parking lot alive, do whatever it takes to fix that up because they say it can serve the needs of the Red River College or just anybody trying to go downtown. Parking is, it can be tough in that area. So having access to another parkade would be helpful. So that is some of the feedback that we're getting, that not we are getting, but that Center Venture received. We are actually
1: getting that exact same feedback, Brett. Tear oh, yeah. down the parkade, build a new one underground and have public space at street level. So that would
0: be that would certainly be the the compromise there to have the same level of parking but not have it cuz i i get that the parking can be kind of an eyesore although there there's one parkade it's just off portage is it around smith i can't remember exactly but it's the one that kind of looks like a spiral mm-hmm. and when i was a kid i used to just i don't know whenever we drove
1: by i always enjoyed the one with the little restaurant in the bottom Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and it, the the parking lot is actually a facade on Portage Avenue above another building. You would think it was a building on Portage Avenue. They've done a, some clever things to masquerade certain uh, parkades in the city. The most extensive one is on is it King and Bannatyne, where they disassembled that entire four or five story brick building, built the. Arcade, the one with Bro Nuts in, oh, the, yeah. in the base. Yeah. And then they rebuilt the building around the parkade to preserve uh, the historical look of that intersection because they felt the building wasn't quite bad enough to tear down, but not good enough to redevelop it. So that was the compromise. I like things like that, like getting creative. I know it costs more money, but I don't like the idea of just dropping a parkade in the middle of a. Of a public area like that, I, that's so 60s, 70s brutalist uh, architecture style. I like things that are a little more subtle now and a little more beautiful because I think we deserve nice things.
0: There's, an, there's actually, a, I think a rather nifty looking parkade as well on Hargrave. Is it Hargrave and Ellis? I want to say. I think it's Hargrave, or maybe it's Donald. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time picturing now because I don't get down to that area all that much. But there, it's in the vicinity of, I want to say Hargrave and Ellis, but if you know, you is this the new one? I, I can't remember if it's new or if they just renovated it. but The I think- one
1: behind the the new uh, Skylofts or whatever that's called, and they've got the, the, the digital LED streaming lights. Uh, that's part of yeah. that center point development. Yeah. Yeah, that that's kind of cool, attached to the Alt Hotel there. I think that's the one. It blends in a little bit. It's also kind of artsy-fartsy. Michael says, I don't know what the architects were thinking, but that area is ugly with about 17 E's. Sell it to RRC. Uh, That may be a possibility at some point. And uh, dare we utter these two words together? Yes. Water slides!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Every time there's something for downtown, there's always the suggestion for water slides. And I love it. I think uh, I remember when... When the Winnipeg Arena. Yes. The, there is the possibility uh-huh. or the proposal at least to uh-huh. turn that into a water park. I I don't know about the practicality, but I loved loved that idea because the the indoor water park at the West Edmonton Mall is just sensational. And
1: oh, do we have do we don't have time to talk to Mike, do we? No, we'll uh we'll uh confer over th- our break, and decide if we're going to run this uh, topic into the next half hour or not.
0: Well, if we get enough feedback at 204-780-6868, let's keep it going, but we'll see. Mike is going to hopefully wait patiently while I go read the news, and then more of your comments at 204
1: 6868 on 680-CJOB. Welcome back. I'm Greg. He's Brett. How was the run from the news studio? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Get a lot of exercise in the course of our three hours here back and forth. It's I'm always good. cleaning the news booth too One of, well, well, would you so like, like to air some grievances no, right now
0: it's always it's always greasy in there I got a like every day I'm cleaning it up I need to get like a uh, just a, a permanent stash of those lysol
1: wipes in there. I think a lot of people at uh, work come to work with the idea that their workspace will be somehow. Magically cleaned, or the common areas magically cleaned, and some people have cleaners that do a better job than others. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a common complaint. You know, you open up that conversation at a dinner party or something, uh, having a couple of beers. It's like oh, yeah, our our, our uh, common areas uh, suck too, because people <laughs> leave their stuff thinking that there's a magic fairy that comes along and puts your dishes in the dishwasher. Guess what?
0: One of your it, colleagues does it.
1: That's right. In this building, the magic fairy has three names: Kelly, Brett, and Greg. <laughs> 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 yes, I'm calling out my colleagues on the air. Put your dishes in the dishwasher. It's not that hard. We digress. Um was on the uh on the on the website uh, globalnews.ca taking a look at the latest stories including some footage of Fights breaking out at a Florida airport after Spirit Airlines canceled some flights. That's kind of disturbing. We're getting used to uh, different videos from airplanes where people are being asked to leave the airplane. But uh, actual fights inside an airport. Spirit Airlines are embroiled in some sort of uh, dispute with their... Pilots and their pilots are slowing down. They're kind of taking uh, action that way. They've been canceling hundreds of flights. And uh, today things boiled over as passengers said, Enough is enough. And there's actually video at uh, globalnews.ca of people uh, going at it uh, with security officers and talking to airline workers in a not very polite fashion. Well, I mean, it's just such a tense, right? Tense time. In general,
0: for airlines in particular, they have to be on their best behavior as more and more of these stories are coming out. You had this flight, uh, this family that was bumped off, that was kicked off of this Delta flight and threatened with jail because they refused to give up the seat of their child, the seat that they had paid for.
1: And Child and Family Services getting involved, you know, having their kids taken away. And I thought the parents remained super calm. Through that entire thing, but it's like, holy man, what what's it the world coming to? That these are the kind of interactions that we're having, like in a place of business, on an airline, in an airport. It's bizarre.
0: WestJet has at least capitalized on some of this. I saw some advertising from WestJet, something along along the lines of WestJet. We don't overbook, we don't. or something <laughs> to, the, to that extent. The airline that doesn't overbook. So I think that's actually sometimes it's just really subtle, right? Yeah, that's really crafty. You know, this uh, this Spirit airline thing. I wonder if this is just not just a uh, if th- this is maybe a culmination of what's all the the stories that have been coming out of airlines. People probably already go into an airport with an expectation, maybe not an expectation, but uh, the the pre uh, really preconceived notion that they're ready to fight with an airline employee, and then this happens, and they just that's it. We're dropping the
1: gloves. Yeah. Tensions are raised with, uh, I mean, travel is tense enough as it is, right? Getting out of the house on time, making sure you packed everything that you needed to take with you, arguing with the Uber driver or the taxi driver that doesn't know the best way to get you to the airport and making sure that you get there on time in order to not only check your baggage. And then of course they want more money when you check the baggage. So then you're, heart rate goes up another couple of beats per minute. And then you got to figure out a way to pay for that. And then they weigh your bag. Oh, you're three pounds overweight. What am I going to do with three pounds? Like, I mean, the series of interactions that have the potential for conflict are multiple when you are flying these days. And I think from the moment that you embark on your journey to the airport, you are at an elevated height of awareness of that. And the opportunity for you to kind of step outside your, your normal course of action is uh, really at the tipping point. It's, it's, uh, it's unusual times for travel right now, without doubt. And, of course, the airlines are experiencing major profitability right now, which is even more frustrating when you take a step back from it. They're jamming more people on airplanes, canceling more flights than ever, and they've never made more money.
0: And I heard yeah I heard something about that that I and I don't know I, I didn't see this report it was just relayed to me that there is a side-by-side graphic of what the the seating plan looks like now and they want to redo it so that they can fit more people in they're already cramped enough and in this day and age where people especially in North America especially in America where people are getting not just taller but wider the idea of Taking away room, like Greg, you're a tall guy. I'm a tall guy. I hate air travel for that reason, and I always feel like a baby when I say to my friends, "Oh, hopefully I can get an exit row or an aisle seat or a bulk." Well, why? Well, because I don't want the per- I don't want my knees buried in the seat in front of me for three to five hours.
1: Yeah, every inch matters, right on your on your hip to knee, and uh, you know it's one thing at a hockey game. I was at the Bell Center back in February. I was shocked. I thought that you couldn't get any worse than Madison Square Garden or MTS Center. There's worse. Really? Hip to knee, yes, and in a very expensive seat at Bell Center. Uh, just, you know, real estate's expensive, whether it's on land or in the air, apparently. And so airlines, like you said, they're doing everything they can to maximize those airplanes. I <laughs> can
0: Got a text here from 204-780-6868. I don't know if this is an official slogan, but it says, Southwest Airlines, we beat our competitors, not you.
1: (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. If it's not an official slogan, uh, you might want to copyright that. I like that. Um, I'm looking it up right now (laughs) because I have to know. If they're marketing with that Southwest Airlines. While Greg's doing that,
0: mm-hmm. 204-780-6868 is the number to call, or it is the number to text. I I'm curious to know if you have had, while you were traveling, if you've had a really, a really good experience with somebody, with staff who has gone over and above, because I think we are kind of almost trained to believe that. All air travel employees are miserable, and that's not always the case. And I think that the ones who do provide good service often don't get a fair shake because we're just so, we're already grumpy. We've already decided we're going to be grumpy. So when you actually do meet someone who's nice, you might even not, you might not even notice it. So I'd be curious to know if you've ever had a really good experience that you'd like to share when it comes to air travel rather than just open the door to...
1: What's your air travel horror story? You know, our uh, good friend, Big Daddy Taz, if you're not friends with him on Facebook, he travels a ton and you can guarantee that every other day on his Facebook feed, he will have a traveling slash airline story. Really? Whether it's about a hotel or an airline that's done really well or typically done really well to anger him. And he's a, he's a big teddy bear. And it takes a lot to get him worked up. And some of the stories that he shared on his Facebook page are absolutely horrific oh. customer service stories from the airlines. Oh, man. Not good at all. By the way, that Southwest ad, we beat the competition, not you. Yeah, that's fake. Okay. It's been all over the social media. Uh, but they uh, asked Southwest Airlines. I uh, went to Palita politifact.com and okay. they asked southwest is this is this genuine no 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 just just somebody just creative, having fun creative
0: uh, creative people in the public i had an inter- uh, an interesting experience at mgm grand in las vegas where they couldn't you know when you show up at early before check-in time they take your bag mm. and they 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 just bring it somewhere i don't know where they were taking it they take it behind the counter into a room, and then when you show up to check in, you give them your tag, they disappear for five minutes, and they come back with your bag. Well, that happened with us where we checked in, went walking around for a few hours, came back to actually go to our room with our bags, couldn't find my bag. They could find my uh, carry-on bag, but not my suitcase. So he he went in for, I don't know, how five, ten minutes came out and just asked, "What is, does it have any distinguishable markings on it or something? I said, well, it's got this, like, rainbow-colored kind of ribbon on it. Okay. So he goes in looks. He can't find it. So he says, can you come help me? So I thought, well, I'll just look for the, the thing on the handle. Well... Do you remember the scene at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark? <laughs> I do. Where they're bringing the, the wooden crate yes. into a Costco-sized room full of wooden crates? <laughs> Multiple Costco's, yes. Well, that's what I was like walking back into this. I You walk in and it's basically the. I'm not exaggerating when I say it felt like I had just walked into Costco really? full of black suitcases. And of I course. had a black suitcase. Of
1: course you did.
0: So I'm looking for the ribbon, but... All the bags have some sort of distinguishable mark on them. So uh, we looked for, I want to say 20 minutes, gave up, and he said, I'm not going to give up, but why don't you go up to your room and I'll i will find it, I'll find it. They had just put it in there. It was like was not in the area that the, the bag had said, like whatever the code was saying, sure. Area 30. It wasn't there. I don't know how he found it, but, he, but he, he gave it another 10 minutes and he found it. So this guy just kept working at it despite the fact that they had Dozens of customers. Like, it's just a rotating door of people who are coming and going trying to get well, their value. Well, thousands
1: of hotel rooms at the MGM Grand, right? I don't know how many. They must have 2,000 hotel rooms it's there.
0: A bi- I think it's, it might be, the, if not the biggest, it's one of the, the, the couple two biggest on the street. Or at least it was at the time. This was te- almost 10 years ago now. But he kept at it, and uh, that was, I thought... Tremendous customer service, which could have made a traveling experience a nightmare.
1: So I'll give a shout out to Delta Airlines then, if we're giving kudos. When I went to Anaheim for the uh, Jets playoff series in 2014-15, April of, of 2015, I get off the plane at Jan- John Wayne Airport, and I don't have my wallet. Uh-oh. But I bought uh, one of those snack pack meals on the plane, so I know I got on the plane with my wallet. And I went to the lady at the desk and I said, I lost my wallet. Here, here's my seat. I'm getting all worked up here just reliving <laughs> this experience because I'm thinking, I've got a rental car. I've got a hotel. I've got my credentials. I've got, like, everything in there. I know I should have been more careful with it. I But my wallet my front pocket and i guess i didn't or i didn't do it very well anyway she was gone for 2 minutes 3 minutes 4 and i'm like oh my word what am i going to do running all the scenarios finally she comes back she says i was just about to give up and i uh, reached down in between the seats one last time and she said i found your wallet really? so yeah she said i was determined to find it you didn't sound like someone who had left it behind at home or left it somewhere else. I believed you. And I think that's half the battle when you're looking for something is believing that you will find it. <laughs> Cause if you have that state of mind, it's like, oh, I don't know where it is. It's gotta be gone. No, you have to believe 100% you're going to find it. So there you go. There's my good Delta airlines, uh, service story for you.
0: I remember I lost my glasses in grade seven, walking across a field between Winona and Madeline in Transcona, I was playing basketball at my friend Brad's place, and I always cut across the field behind TCI and Radisson and John Gunn. And I had I didn't have to wear my glasses all the time like I do now, so they're in my just the you know the you, the typical black cases for the eyeglasses and. At some point, they disappeared. Got home, realized I didn't have my glasses. My mom (laughs) made me... She said, here's a flashlight. Go find... Because I was, I don't know, 14 at the time. Go find them. So I'm out in the dark trying to find my glasses. They're... I don't know where they ended up, but they didn't end up back in my possession.
1: Part of the reason you didn't find them is because you didn't believe you would find them. You believed they were gone forever. That was, you were beat before you started looking.
0: I was not. I just couldn't. You just couldn't find them? Too much much open space. Who knows where they were. (laughs) 204-780-6868. We actually have someone on the, the line. Hopefully he can stand by. Big Daddy Taz is on the phone. <laughs> we're going to see what Big Daddy Taz have, has to say after your forecast, which is up next.
1: Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you. And we're talking about our... This is one of those organic conversations Mackling and McGarry tend to have. Our experiences on airlines and giving shout-outs to the MGM Grand, Delta Airlines. And I mentioned Big Daddy Taz, if you have an opportunity to friend him on Facebook to do so, because he has great travel stories. And lo and behold, who should call in but our good friend, Big Daddy Taz. How are you doing, Taz Daddy?
3: Hey, well you know what? It's uh, I'm fantastic. I just got off a plane. I got in the car, and uh, as I'm pulling out, I turn on the radio, and I hear my name. And I thought, and I I'll give him a call. Uh, Literally, that's the first thing that happened. I get out, put on TGLB, and I hear my name, and I thought, if that's not a sign. (laughs)
1: i would say it's a sign yeah so it's just the saying that you have the craziest stories typically about airlines that have been really good to you mostly not all that good to you and some really good hotel stories you like are traveling all the time
3: well you know it's ironic i just uh i i was in denver well aurora right outside denver and uh you know doing a thing on good mental health uh, my keynote and uh I needed to come home early, so I, I I phone Delta and I say, okay. They say, what's the upgrade? It's 400 Canadian. I'm like, oh, you know. And uh, well, I'll, I'll, uh, American, I mean, and I'll, I'll, bite, I'll bite the bullet. I, I I come, I I leave early, and uh, they uh, missed my connection. So I ended up I ended up showing up when I would have shown up not early, a day, an extra day late. <laughs> so I, I we go to the Delta counter. And I'm, I'm sitting there just waiting to see what we can do. Where am I going to do it? Are they going to give me a hotel? What's what's taking And this guy is losing his mind on this Delta lady. And I, and I, and I finally i am behind him. And I said, listen, brother, I said, I'm, you're going to probably want to punch me in the mouth for interrupting you. I said, but you, you realize uh, that this lady has no control over the weather. And that's why our flight was delayed. I said, if you need to yell at somebody the chapel's down the hall. You go do your yelling there, because, the, you know, the Delta lady's just trying to do what she can do to help us all out. And I said, there's a huge lineup, and for every minute that you're yelling at this lady, everybody in line's getting more heated up. And I said, it's going to cause a riot. I had no idea what had happened in Fort Lauderdale, because we'd all been on planes, right? Right. And it was just it was just somebody's anger created so much more anger, so I just told them, to go, you know, go cool off, and and hang out, but go, go down there. You're yelling at the wrong person for the for the
1: weather, man. <laughs> well, before we let you go, because we're up against the news at the top of the hour, yeah, you mentioned sure, what happened yeah. in Fort Lauderdale, and that's how this kind of got started. You can go to globalnews.ca and see the video there. Is there heightened yeah. tension in and around airports and on airplanes in the last month or so? Do you see a difference, or has it just always been you that can't. way?
3: No, you know what? I, it's always been underlying, but now, especially with what happened on United, and I know you're on to news. I'll make it quick. Well, after what happened on United, people are people are more vocal than ever. Like people are they're they're they're, they're just uh, we used to just see and now we're 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 putting out our stories, and we're demanding we're demanding that people like Air Canada and the, the people that are are making us miss our flights or overbooking are stepping up.
1: Taz, always great to hear from your brother. Thanks for the work that you do, and uh, welcome home.
3: Well, thank you. Well, I'm here, for, I'm here for about 14 hours, and I catch a plane tomorrow, so I'll tell. I'll put some more stories when I hear them.
1: Can't wait, buddy. <laughs> Take care, Big Daddy Taz. Yeah. See how that works. You, you start talking about somebody, and they just happen to turn on the radio, and I thought he thought he should give us a call. Why are you guys talking about me?
0: Well, I'm good, not even here, and good for him for for being the the voice of reason. That is something that. People get mad, as you pointed out, they're they're just they're they're already in that sort of heightened state of tension at the airport. And yeah, they want to scream at somebody, but it's not my fault that the weather is poor. So, or in this case, this poor this poor woman who was at the counter, just trying to take the brunt of this customer's anger. So Good for you, Taz. We appreciate your goodness, and we appreciate you reaching out to tell us that story. Coming up to 2 o'clock on 680 CJOB. 206,
1: Tuesday afternoon? Yes. Just double-checking, because the days do blend together. Hope you're having a wonderful one. A little bit uh, less than perfect outside, but that's okay. Spring is here. Big Daddy Taz, want to thank him for calling in. It's strange you utter kind of reference one person and they happen to be listening at the right moment and he gave us a call. That, that's just uh, that's Winnipeg, right? The one degree of situ- uh, separation in this town is sometimes uh, overwhelming. Erin Shaw joins us in studio now. She resides in our city, part-time between here and Edmonton. Erin, uh, snuggle up to the microphone there. We want to be able to hear you. She's a reporter for Crime Watch Magazine and we're going to talk a little bit about journalism, the state. Of journalism, journalistic integrity, something uh, that some people uh, feel, some members of the public and uh, certainly the President of the United States seems to feel is in question right now. Uh, I want to thank you for taking some time with us, Aaron. Thank you. Well,
4: thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, fake news. That's the thing that every journalist does not want to be accused of being. And um, the President of the United States, bless his heart, has uh, you know, issues with... <laughs> With our uh, lovely estate, um, yeah, I yeah, I work for Crime Watch Canada, which um, I will read our mission statement because we like to know people to know what we're about. We believe that by putting criminals and the crimes they commit under the spotlight, we all stand a better chance of protecting our children, our loved ones, and ourselves from the influences of crime. We're a publishing company that focuses on crime awareness, prevention, education. So. You name it, uh, if it's illegal, likely we will be publishing about it, and um, we do a lot of other uh, reporting about um, uh, domestic abuse, about um, psychopathic behavior, uh, profiling, that kind of thing, so um, we are not fake news, I must say. So. Yeah. In fact, uh, <laughs> based on what
1: I've read, you're very real news. In fact, it may be news that a lot of people may not be getting anywhere else. How did the magazine come into being?
4: Uh, that um, that we started out um, from Crime Stoppers Canada, um, and we are a subsidiary uh, of them. I think technically, uh, started in 2003. Um, our editors uh, Jennifer and Rob decided that we needed a bit more comprehensive coverage, then Crime Stoppers was able to uh, to get um, a bit more in-depth articles, that kind of thing. So we've been going ever since. We're Canada-wide. Um, we have a very big Facebook presence, and we also have our website, CrimeWatchCanada.com, but definitely look us up on Facebook. Um, we're really, uh, we really like to put our newest articles out there. And um, we publish also on missing persons. We publish on... Uh, awareness of the newest drugs that are threatening the community, things like that. So, uh, yeah, and we try to go in-depth with issues that people may not be getting in other places.
0: How did you get into it?
4: Um, actually, Jennifer, my editor, she is a friend of a friend. Um, and we were sitting at a bar one day, and she leaned over my friend and said, you write, don't you? I said, <laughs> yes, I do. Um I'd been a financial journalist before, and I was a fiction writer, and she said, I might have a project for you, and uh, that's how it started.
1: So financial writing, uh, lots of interesting stories there over the years, in particular, I would say over the last decade, yes. where you had the the collapse of of uh, major institutions, the very uh, real possibility of a financial crisis as big as it was, of it being even more gigantic, and those are not easy stories to tell because it's difficult to get people talking about the behind the scenes, the dark side of the financial world. Do you have a similar uh, challenge in terms of writing about crime and, and getting experts and people to open up to you about what's really going on on the street?
4: Uh, a little bit. I've had a few doors slammed in my face, as have each and every one of us in the news business. But most people are actually really very forthcoming. Um they want uh, people in the community, people um, – I find people in the academic community and uh, our people in the police force, that kind of thing, are really just wanting to get crime off the streets. And uh, any way we can do that, um, if we can get into the underbelly, if we can get into the reasons behind why these crimes are happening, then um, we can we can cut the head off the snake. We can stop uh, everything – In the process, we don't... Hopefully, it will cut down on things overall. So mostly, we're actually pretty... We get a lot of cooperation. We're pretty good. We're pretty good. It's um, We fight the general public's perception of journalism, the state of journalism right now. Um, We have to double and triple check our sources all the time. Um, We have to be very sensitive um, to how... Our stories impact individuals. Um, The general rule is um, tell the truth but in good taste. So we have to be very, very um, aware that each crime has, if a victim and or people who are affected by it, and we must be very um, therefore accurate, um, transparent, and uh, willing to share exactly where our information comes from. That's incredibly important nowadays. Um, to be distinguished as part of the, uh, for lack of better term, real news media.
0: Well, when, just in, as an example of one of your most uh, recent uh, works, when you go to the Crime Watch uh, Facebook page, Greg found this. He said, "You gotta, you gotta read this article on stealthing." Oh yeah. What you need to know. I don't. Creepy. Can you sort of uh, summarize what is stealthing?
4: Stealthing is uh, non-consensual condom removal in. Um, an act of sexual congress. So um, it is... It it can be done by both males and females, but it is uh, part of a rise of a very small subculture of toxic um, male entitlement. I hate to use those words, but it's a very small subculture where they believe that... uh, Males believe that they have the right to ejaculate into their passive partners, uh, whether those partners consent to it or not. So they quote-unquote stealth, they remove the condom or they damage the condom during or before uh, the sexual encounter to achieve that goal.
0: You said you, that you hate to use those words, words, male entitlement. Why do you hate to use those words?
4: Uh, well, it would show a bias. There is a bias. There always is. Sometimes the truth goes in one direction or the other, but we, everyone in the journalistic community who is serious about what they're doing likes to remember that um, for every example of privilege, for every example of entitlement you're going to find in somebody, you're going to find the exact opposite the very next day.
1: And sometimes we to keep in mind that in relation to that specific article and the people that are doing it, that is one of the characteristics, right? Is mm-hmm. that their ideal of what is right and wrong comes from their perception that it's their right slash privilege to do what they're doing
4: exactly, and what we must remember is um, to combat that, we must see that as other, as something that is not the norm, so that we can all look at it um, uh, outside ourselves and recognize it as um, what can we do to stop it? Not that oh, we're blaming men for this. You know, it's what can we all do to stop it?
0: Where does your funding come from? You, you mentioned that it's part of Crime Stoppers. Uh, and by the way, you know, before I forget, uh, if you want to read the article from Aaron on stealthing, uh, just go to Crime Watch Canada magazine on Facebook, and you'll be able to find it. And it is one of the first things there. Aaron Shaw wrote this article on stealthing. So the the funding for Crime Watch Canada magazine, where does that come from?
4: Um, we get a lot from advertisers, uh, local advertisers willing to do business with us. We have wonderful ads in our in our magazine, that um, are great businesses um, in the community. So they would kind of do a little bit of a give and take, back and forth. They advertise in our magazine. Our readers do business with them. Uh, they're local businesses. We're supporting the community. It's wonderful that way. We have lots of great s- subscribers, um, and uh, we also—I'd um, have to double check with my editor on this one, but I believe we get a, a couple of grants. I would have to—I'd have to double check on that one.
1: So, you know, when you're in commercial radio, you're in a commercial publication where you have advertisers. Does that does that change the way you approach a, short, a story and and should it? Change um, the way you approach a st- story because, you know, you, you just kind of reference what I would call stakeholders in terms of the success of of the business of the magazine, right? There are people whose money you're counting on in order to publish the magazine, just like we count on our advertisers to keep us on the air here at 680 CJOB.
4: Mm-hmm, a fair point. Um, indeed. I I do not alter my content um, one iota because of our advertisers. I don't. Um, I refuse to. And I believe our other writers would say the same. We're lucky in the sense that we, um, we cultivate the kind of support that only wants unbiased um, coverage. Uh, should it? um, make a difference? No. Um, Journalists have to have the truth as their only mandate in good taste. Um, That being said, everyone needs to have their funding to be on the air and in print. Um, You have to do a bit of a dance. So that's where our wonderful, wonderful sales editor, Rob, comes in. (laughs) He he manages all that and uh, gets... Um, basically, everybody on board with our mission, and uh, make sure that uh, we're dealing with a community of people that we can uh, trust to trust us.
0: Erin Shaw is our guest. She is a reporter for Crime Watch Magazine. Once again, you can find their uh, page on Facebook, Crime Watch Magazine Canada. Did it? No, did it, is it Crime Watch Canada Magazine? I just said of Watch.
4: Canada.com. crime
0: watch Canada magazine and crimewatchcanada.com and uh, Aaron is Winnipeg based but also worked part-time out of Edmonton and we're going to continue our chat about the magazine and a discussion about journalism in general and the state of journalistic integrity in today's media it's Mackling and McGarry your forecast is coming up next
1: I'm Greg. He's Brett. Aaron Shaw is in studio with us. We're talking about Crime Watch magazine. We're talking about journalism, the difficulty of journalism, and differentiating uh, real journalism from the fake news that really has become prevalent on Facebook and other social media. But most of the fake news originates somewhere else. This is an agenda, typically, of uh, groups that are trying to discredit regular journalists and the mainstream media, quote-unquote. And also, to a great extent, we're learning uh, this comes from outside the country, Russia in particular, trying to influence not only the American election, but uh, they were accused of hacking the uh, French election and the emails of the now president of France, uh, Marcon. And so there are outside forces at play here that are uh, in competition And uh, on attack on on regular journalism.
4: Absolutely. Um, Social media is sort of the hub for most of it. Um, 30% of all fake news reports can be traced back to Facebook, can't be traced further than that. Um, The rest are clickbait, covered with a million ads, you know, things like that. Um, They get filtered down and down and down, so we can't find the source of them. Um, and that's usually when they begin to break down. You begin to understand um, that they are not real. Um, I will not name names because that's just bad, you know, professional courtesy. But uh, in order to differentiate uh, good journalism, real journalism from fake, um, actually the International Federation of Library Associations and Institutions has a great eight-point um, Criteria, I guess you could say, Um, very quickly. You consider the source to understand its mission. You read beyond the headline to understand the whole story. You check the authors to see if they are real and credible. You assess the supporting sources to ensure they support the claims. You check the date of publication to make sure it's up to date and relevant. Um, You ask if it's satire. You review your own biases to see if they're affecting your judgment. And then you ask other experts. Journalism doesn't happen in a vacuum, we are a community. You, we always rely on one another for our information. So if you're not sure if something is credible, you ask, we ask each other. Um, and that's, that's the real boots-on-the-ground journalism, so to speak. We're still on the phone all the time, knocking on doors, doing interviews. We're still in the library doing research. We're still, um, we're still looking at books uh, and print news. That's the way, that's the way it works, generally.
0: Crown Watch Canada magazine, uh, that's where you can find them on Facebook. It's based out of Edmonton, but they cover stories from all over the place, including here in Winnipeg, which is why Erin Shaw is here. She spends her time back and forth between Edmonton and Winnipeg. And as a result, uh, one of the things that uh, you work on has to do with a database of missing persons. Uh, did I understand that Yes.
4: Um, I just wanted to do a shameless self-promotion uh, for the missing report. Um founded by Jody Matoma. He is out of Edmonton, but we are everywhere. And most prominently, we're on Facebook. Just look for The Missing Report, and you'll find us. And also just the website is missing.report. It's one of the newer sites that doesn't have the WW or anything, just missing.report. And we're on Twitter as well. That's expanding. Um, It's an attempt to create a reliable source for the people of every province, state, country eventually to know about missing people in their area without having to do a great deal of research. It's an easily shareable uh, database for social media. We are Canada-wide, USA-wide. We're in Australia and New Zealand, all of the UK and Ireland, Guyana, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, and Singapore. Wow. And we've we've been doing this since uh, October of 2016, Um, We've had 2,421 reports uh, since then.
1: What drives you, Erin? Why do you do what you do?
4: Uh, Ultimately to help people. And that may be trite, but it's true. And um, the missing report definitely fills that. And reporting uh, on crime particularly does. Um, If I can help stop crime, if I can help people recover from uh, being the victims of crime, if I can help people understand where something originates uh, sociologically or psychologically in the criminal mind or in the criminal construct, then I have done a good job. And I have basically justified my existence for that day. <laughs> <laughs> for <laughs> That's terrible. Um, then I've done my job. And that, that's ultimately what I've wanted to do my whole life.
0: Well, Aaron Shaw, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, the, once again, on Facebook, it's Crime Watch Canada magazine, the website as well, crimewatchcanada.com. And this isn't just a digital entity, correct? Like it's an actual oh, no. magazine that you we're, can subscribe to? We're right
4: here. Yeah, oh, I, okay. I brought one. You're looking at it. Okay,
0: yeah. <laughs> it she's behind. got one in her hand, Crime yeah. Watch Canada magazine.
4: Yeah, you can subscribe. All you have to do is uh, take a look at our Facebook page and or our website, and the information's right there.
0: And again, make sure when you go to that Facebook page, look for the article that Aaron Shaw has written on stealthing, which is a rather troubling trend. So thank you for shining a light on that uh, particular story. We appreciate it and we appreciate your time this
4: afternoon. Thank you so much.
0: Coming up to 2.30 after Global News at 2.30, we're going to
1: speak with Kelly Keane about your finances. Brett McGarry, you lied to me. You said okay. Kelly Keene was engaging and uh, beautiful and uh, intelligent. Yes. Okay. She's all of those things. Well, it's great to have her in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just teasing you. Okay. I was just trying to find a creative way to give uh, Kelly a compliment and uh, thank her for taking some time with us today here in Winnipeg.
0: Well, yeah, we, we visited her last week over the phone, but uh, she's in Winnipeg today talking about uh, tips to take control of the financial clutter, and we sort of talked about that last week. Honestly, we just wanted to have you back because we're like, well, we can't let her come to Winnipeg and not have her in the studio. <laughs> so
5: sweet! I'm so honored to be here. And I have to tell you that the men in Winnipeg are absolute gentlemen, and the food here, oh my God, anytime you want to invite me here, Gotta tell you, I love the food scene here. You, Portions are way too big.
1: Okay, so you have a good tour guide, apparently.
5: Oh man. I've been like I love it. I love Winnipeg. I love being here. Well, Just, a restaurant? You,
0: you, you, do you have you, a restaurant in particular you like to go to? Or? Um
5: I love uh Wellington's. I know I'm gonna mess it up. Uh Five, two, nine, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. But mm. you know what? I have to tell you, I'm staying, okay, you're gonna laugh. I'm staying at the uh four points little shout out to their restaurant there. I was going usually I take the cab out and I go to Wellington's because like it is done to perfection, but they're short yesterday and mashed potatoes and i'm telling you holy moly that uh,
1: restaurant very under appreciated and, and, and not uh, well known as it ought to be at the four points
5: i re- i have to say really really impressed and just the service um fantastic yeah, yeah well done
1: I, i've been i've only been to 529
0: wellington once honestly that's a that's a restaurant that's a, a, a wee above my my pay grade I think it's a very special occasion kind of place for
5: Well me. we're talking about money so maybe we can find a way <laughs> right <laughs> Brett and-
1: Brett wants to be able to go to 529 Wellington <laughs> Twice a year. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Twice a year. See, this is a reasonable goal. Okay. I should be able to help with this. Okay, this so is savings
1: re- goals. Let, let's talk about that, that whole idea yeah. uh, of, of, you know, having uh, something that you want to do, whether it's a vacation, it's a new vehicle, uh, what have you. Although I never, I always tell people, don't use your own money to buy a vehicle. Maybe you will tell me differently. Uh, but yeah, Brett wants to go to 529 Wellington a couple yeah. times <laughs> this year. How does he find the money that he thinks he doesn't have?
5: Yeah. Well, and and Greg, I think you set it up last week when we talked that my mission is for Canadians to feel good about money. Because you know what? If you don't feel good, if you don't treat yourself, if it's all about sacrificing, what are you telling your subconscious? Oh, I want you to work hard. I want you to find more ways. I want you to be creative. I want you to think of more ways to bring in more money because you're never going to have any fun with it. Wow. That's a winning strategy. <laughs> Shoot it me doesn't work. Right. So, I mean, and I live and breathe this. I sit before you as... Uh, A personal finance educator that made all the mistakes, was in the industry, should have known all of the things that I did, uh, atoned in my 30s and in my 40s. I think I've got it together in the sense that, um, you know, I can also compare myself to some billionaires that I know and say, well, I'm not really that wealthy. Well, whatever. Or... I can compare myself to my friends that are doctors without borders and say wow you know it depends who i compare myself to so that's a that's a whole other tangent i won't get into but if we don't set goals that are fun, that are realistic, are reasonable. Uh, We're not going to have a chance to get out of the debt trap that we're in. And then what kind of message does that send to everyone's children and and the younger generation? So uh, really happy to be here talking about how to have some more fun with our money.
0: Well, it's funny that you mentioned that we have to be able to feel good about our money because I have a tendency to feel guilty mm. if I spend any amount of money that I would consider significant, like over a hundred dollars on a single item. Like in the in the winter, I spent four hundred and fifty dollars on a golf club. Right, and I I wanted it, and I've wanted it for two years, and I and I still feel kind of guilty about spending that much money on a single golf club, even though I use it every week. Wow, I go out once a week golfing, but I I don't feel. I've never felt 100% good about it. Because How do we it's just so much around money. for him?
5: I know. Uh, have you ever felt good about any of your spending? Was there ever a time where you're like, yeah, that felt good. I deserve <laughs> See, I wonder if this is more like a you deserving issue. And money is just kind of something that is an extension of that. Have you ever really felt good about a spend?
0: Uh, not a never hundred percent. There's 100%. always that. There's always at least a nugget of, oh boy. I yeah. don't know if I should be spending this much money on that. I don't know. Did I make the right decision? Yeah. yeah. There's always that buyer's remorse for me.
5: I mean, maybe you need to practice. Maybe part of it is, number one, saving up. So it's like that was saved up for. That was earmarked for. There was nothing else that that was supposed to be for. And my husband and I actually have, it's funny, we have this little piggy bank on the top of our fridge. Not that anyone uses cash that much anymore, but we try to once in a while. And we just take the loonies and toonies and throw it in there and have some fun every 30 days. We empty it out and have some fun with it. And just like the exercise of doing it all the time, maybe could that... Help well,
0: then if- that reminds me of a story. You certainly won't know this, but Greg, you'll remember. Do you remember Majestic Electronics mm-hmm, on? I course. think it was St. James. Yes. When I, do. I was like 12 years old, I saved up three. I want to say 313 dollars in those like you know those stupid little black change pouches. Yeah. <laughs> I had 300 bucks crammed into that wow. thing, and I went and I bought a 13 inch Emerson television from Majestic <laughs> Electronics. Think
1: about that. <laughs> 13 inch television for $313. You can buy a 70 inch TV for about a thousand bucks now. Yeah, it's nuts. Anyway, but so why? Because I had those experiences as well. I bought, uh, I always had a deal uh, from the time I was in grade four, I had a paper route. And if I wanted a bike, I paid for half. If I wanted roller skates, I paid for half. From like the time I'm eight, nine, ten years old, that was the deal. Uh, I love to spend money. And I, you know, and that's the other, (laughs) I'm I'm the opposite of him. (laughs) I love to spend it. And I'm a justifier. I can justify just about any purchase. And so that's why I get into trouble on the other side. You know, I get joy from it, but maybe a little bit too much. So Mm -hmm. how do you rein someone like me in to realize that, yeah, that doesn't last forever and you keep doing it? There's going to be a piper to pay at some point.
5: Yeah, and I'm like you, and and what I think you have to do is have a professional, and that's a mistake. Even though I was in the industry and I was on the investment side, um, I highly recommend that you have someone like a certified financial planner, someone who sits down with you, who crunches the numbers, because as soon as you see those numbers, there's a couple issues going on, okay? As soon as you see those numbers, it helps access a different part of your brain. Now... You have a GPS, you have a roadmap, you have you have something for you instead of this nebulous, vague, I uh, think, you know, I probably should, but I really don't know. And, and 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 that doesn't work. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, there's so much research being done on the behavioral side. So mm-hmm. Economics basically says that if we have all the information we need, we're going to make a rational choice. Behavioral economics says, uh uh-uh, and all the brain scans say, uh uh-uh. We think we're rational, but we're not. So here's a for instance. If you think of yourself, let's say the right part of your brain lights up, and you think of a stranger, the left part lights up. If you think of yourself in just five or ten years— the stranger part lights up. And they've actually done this with fMRI scans, showing that when we think of ourselves in the future, mm-hmm. it's akin to thinking of ourselves as a stranger. So, why would you want to save money for a stranger? Why would you want to? You know, our brains have not evolved to be in in 2017. We are all about instant gratification. Have it now. Um, Our willpower gets exhausted. By 9 o'clock, we've made so many decisions that who in the heck wants to talk about retirement and financial planning, all that stuff. So we have to trick our brain. We need a professional. We need for you and I, uh, Greg, we're the spenders. We need to have... um, Things like money come right off the top of our paychecks, so that if there is money left over, that's okay. Then, then Brett, you need someone who's you know wagging their finger at you to make sure that you're spending regularly, because th- what that does is think about it. I'm not saying that we're like animals, but there's an animal part of our brain, and we know if we were training a new puppy, right. it's all about the reinforcement. Good, you know, good right. job on this. I just got a new kitten, right? And and not all about the the stick, right? So if you don't if you don't have that carrot for yourself once in a while how likely are you going to want to find great new opportunities to bring in new money or sit down with a planner you're not because you're like more money's not going to make me happy
1: well Well, you have to reward good behavior when you're raising children or a dog or a cat otherwise you will never ever train them it's uh it's simple
5: that yeah. you have
1: to have a reward for good behavior. And I think that a lot of people deny themselves those rewards because either because of the way they've been brought up or the exactly. way because their brain works or the examples that they've seen around them and they beat themselves up anytime they spend money on something that they don't see or deem essential. Right.
0: Well, I'll just quickly tell you, I think maybe the guilt stems from the fact that essentially for my entire... Since I turned 18 and signed up for that credit card at the University mm. of Manitoba, I was in debt until last year uh, when I finally took out a loan and uh, sort of got that all taken care of. I mean, the loan, I'm still paying off the loan, but right. I finally actually have a I'm in the black in my bank account for the first time and I don't. Right remember. on. So I think that's part of the reason why I feel guilty because I don't want to venture. I don't want to get close to the edge of the abyss right. again.
5: And you know what? That's really rational. That's actually well thought out. You have a big uh thing that you don't want to ever have happen again that was really scary and vulnerable. So maybe you just have some small wins, right? Like, again, it's that saving up. Um, maybe, yeah, you're like $100 out on a dinner is just way too much and I'm not going to be there for a while. That's okay. But have some kind of reward strategy and I would encourage you like if you're looking at that that golf club and you amortize out what you really love. See, here's what Canadians are not doing is being mindful about their money, buying things they really love and and loving those things or experiences because again, the the you know, the the behavioral side is showing us that we buy a, a brand new vehicle And we think it's going to bring us all this joy or whatever it is that we think is going to bring us the joy. A lot of times throwing it on a credit card or a line of credit. And meanwhile... You know, we go about our our life and, and, and we don't appreciate it two months later. I think it's kind of akin to right now I'm in bliss because it's spring across Canada. So wherever I'm going, I'm like, yay, life is better. There's <laughs> buds. Even if it's not the weather that you guys promised me, <laughs> it's not snow. <laughs> but, but you know what happens about June 15th? I no longer have this appreciation about right. weather. It's the same thing with that new car. It's whatever. It's so... Being more mindful, even just playing some little games with yourself where, okay, you don't do the $100 dinner, but what if you took yourself somewhere that made you feel prosperous and just thought about where those feelings are coming from, just being aware of it a lot of times uh, can change change your financial future.
0: The website is kellykeen.com, that's spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y. Keen is K-E-E-H-N dot com right there on the homepage, It says my mission to make you feel good about money. She is a personal finance educator, a consumer advocate with the Financial Planning Standards Council and more of our chat after we update your forecast. Up next, Kelly Keene is our guest. She is an award-winning author. She's written nine books on the subject of your money. She's a personal finance educator and a consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council, and we want to talk about something right now called the anti-budget. What's the anti-budget, Kelly? Yeah,
5: yeah. Well, really what it is is an exercise in awareness and behavioral change because uh, I don't I don't like budgets because I think that like diets, when something's forced on you, it's not going to be sustainable. Sure, you can do anything in the short term, but what are you going to do in the long term? It needs to be
1: a lifestyle change.
5: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, budgets are great for people that have them and stick to them. That's wonderful. But there's a whole portion of our society that are not great with budgets, especially if you don't know what your family's spending. So... You do nothing different than track your spending for 30 days. I make my husband and I do it. You just do it once a year. Uh, We finished our 30 days in April. Uh, So for 30 days, you track all your spending. Now, some banks have some great, if you use your credit card and your debit card with just that bank, they have like a nice little tracking feature. However, um, sometimes you have to do a little digging, a little extra digging, like your car insurance, your your bank fees, your, your investment fees, like every single penny. What are you spending in your household? And then you do five things, okay? If you even do one of them, that's great. Uh, or you can do all five. So the first thing is, is you want to create, uh, like, tally it up. See where the money's going. This is where I think a budget doesn't work on the uh, at the beginning, because if you don't know that you're, you know, oh, the average Canadian spending, I don't know, $600 on entertainment, eating out and things of that sort, but your family's spending $800. Like, you have to see that and be like, ooh. And every year, my husband and I do it, we go, oh, we're spending that much on what? Like, right. it's, it's, it's not about sacrifice. It's about choice and awareness, just mm-hmm. like with a diet, too. So you tally it all up. That's number one. Number two, uh, then you see what you're spending. You're like, wow. Number two, you uh, times everything by 12 to see what that's adding up per year. Uh, Again, different part of your brain lights up and goes, wowzers, maybe I did have enough money to go on vacation. Maybe I did have enough money uh, to go to Wellington's (laughs) or whatever, right? Like you see anyway where this money is going. And then number three, again, uh, you can do all of them or just one. Number three is one week every quarter. I ask my readers, use cash. Not all the time. I know it can be inconvenient to get it. Some places you can't even use a $50 bill, uh, True. but it a different part of your brain lights up. It's called loss aversion. You feel the loss when that money's coming out of your wallet or your purse that you do not, that part of your brain does not light up when you're using debit or credit at all, even if it's your debit right? You don't feel that tangibility. That's number three. Number four is uh, set up alerts with your credit card and your debit card. So every time you use it, you get a little email alert. So if you're going on a little shopping spree or something of that sort, boop, 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 you're getting all these emails in. It can help you curtail your spending, but also it can alert you to fraud. Right. If you're like, hey, that's not mine. And then very lastly, especially I, I like a little online shopping once in a while. So my husband and I have a rule that if it's uh, more than a hundred dollar purchase for a, a a want, not a need, we have to take a 24 hour cooling off period. Okay. So if you still want it, you still want it. And it's in the budget. Like once you budgeted for it, you can have it, but not instantaneous. He's way better at curtailing his spending than I am. So I think he came up with that role. I don't think I did. I think this is one of his.
1: (laughs) So some of it is emulating uh, the things that had to be done back in the old days. I don't like to go back down memory lane all that often when it comes to money. But I'm old enough to remember having to go to the bank to cash my paycheck. Right. Right. There was no such thing as an ATM. And you had to think about, well, how much money am I going to need for the weekend? How much do I leave in? How much do I take out to put in my pocket? And when Sunday came around. If you were out, you were staying home, right? There were no options. So I I reckon and remember those days and recall the things that you had to do. And that's where that whole idea of maybe pausing a little bit and the whole Mm -hmm. access to credit. It's so easy now. You can walk into a store and they can have an amazing item. You don't have the money for it. And they'll say, you can take it home today. You don't have to pay for it for
5: eighteen months, and it's only two dollars an hour or whatever right? they've you know reduced it down to. So you're like, wow, that's not much money. Sure, <laughs> well, <take> five, <laughs> right?
1: Exactly. So th- they play tricks with you. You, the, bet. you know, the marketers are playing tricks with you. And well, I think what it sounds like is you have to. You have to trick yourself into thinking about it, making yeah. everything a conscientious choice and, and planning just a little bit better.
5: And slowing down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love this idea about uh, the take 24 hours to cool off because I recently did that, actually. Oh. I was going to, I was online. It was like 1.30 in the morning. I was just thinking of, you know, I was, I, I should have been asleep already. Right. So I was already kind of not thinking and I was, I had the credit card in my hand to buy something and I thought, do I, really uh, no. I'm, just Good gonna, for you. I'm gonna wait a minute.
5: You, you don't even have to leave the house to go I shopping know. now. Yeah. Right? It's or or they have it now to talk about the tricks, right? Where um, your credit card is stored on file. So you just have to click oh, one thing. No so you're not even pulling out the credit card that's, to think. That's right. Wow. You're just like, click, 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 click. So, I mean, it's a dangerous world for, for spenders. Uh, and, and again, like get a professional on your side, get someone like a certified financial planner. You don't have to do this all on your own. Uh, because if you, if you had that earmarked, you had this amount saved up, you'd be like, well, I only have this much in my spending account. And that's going to come out of that. Uh, Like you said, right. The mindfulness, the slowing down, all of that uh, when we're making our purchases. And we
1: were talking about it. want to point it out real quick. You mentioned piggy banks. Yeah, You can set things up depending on your financial institution to take a few pennies or a few dollars here and there. Uh, Every time you purchase something or at the beginning of the month, it's a great way to save money uh, to use
5: technology and your
1: advantage,
0: right?
5: Exactly. You bet. Yeah. Painless. Kellykeen.com
0: is the website, K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-E-E-H-N.com. She is an award-winning author. She is a personal finance educator and consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council. She is on a mission to make you feel good about money.
1: Thanks for the visit, Kelly. It's
0: Thank been great. you,
5: gentlemen. It was fun. Coming Thanks. up to
1: Global News at 3 o'clock on 680 CJOB. cluche and uh, Buckingham coming up at 4 o'clock. They are the masters of the tease or the hook. Uh, apparently that lower gas price, 89 dollars 9 was just a tease, uh, getting reports that gas prices are on the way, on the rise, on the way up 97 9 in some locales. So if you see it under $0.90, cents, fill up. Take advantage of that because uh, you know when it, Starts to go up one place. It won't be long till it's that higher price everywhere. He's McGarry. I'm Mackling. Hope you're having a great Tuesday afternoon. One of our favorite guests waiting for us on the phones right now, Brett. The Executive Artistic Director of the Royal Winnipeg Ballet,
0: Andre Lewis, is here to talk about something called Vespers. Andre, welcome back to Mackling and McGarry. Good to have you, sir.
6: Yeah, it's a pleasure being on the phone with you. So what is Vespers? Well, Vesper is is not a story ballet, but it's it's an atmospheric work if you will that has this incredible choreography of James Kedelka. There's Evelyn Hart in it, uh, who, of course, is this incredibly well-known dancer that uh, graced our stage in Winnipeg for, I think, 20 years and had an international career. The work uh, was created on Evelyn by James Koudelka, if some of you have seen his four seasons. Uh, he's a wonderful choreographer, but it's ultimately, it has a spirituality about it. It's about a world inhabited by humans and animals and the connections between the two. And, uh, you see the arc over from act one to act two, where Evelyn appears in the second act.
1: Well, and this is a little bit of of a homecoming for Evelyn. It'll be amazing to see her on the stage. And that connection she has to Winnipeg will be, I can only imagine, palpable uh, at the concert hall.
6: Oh, I, I, you know, we feel it already here with all of our students and dancers. She spoke with our uh, professional division students uh, just the other day and gave them a little bit of her life. Our artists are working with her alongside her, and it's really exciting for them because, I mean, she is this icon of canadian dance she's probably the most recognized ballerina in canadian history having won numerous awards and of course being recognized by the federal provincial and municipal government so she she has this incredible pedigree and and people are excited and i know the audience will uh as we say in french when they see her uh, come on stage
1: can you translate that for us Andre I want to say swoon but uh what would be the translation well, uh, Frémir is
6: uh, you have a shiver uh, in in your spine when you see her come on and and I have to say I watched another run through just the other day and and you felt it it was palpable the The power this woman has on stage, I mean, she's so graceful, so beautiful. She has such incredible musicality. And given the kind of material that James Kudelka is able to give being a master choreographer, it's such a wonderful unison.
0: You say that her dancing career began over 20 years ago. How old was she when she started?
6: Well, it was probably more than 20 years ago, but she trained in our school first under David Moroni when the professional division was just starting, which is uh, to train aspiring artists uh, to become ballet dancers. But I think she joined the company at uh, 18 or 19, and she danced with the company until she was uh, in her 40s and then retired, uh, sort of semi-retired, but now is coming <coughs> coming back in a different way, but she's still dancing. I mean, she it's, it's not a walking part that she's doing. I mean, she's moving like uh, it's amazing. I mean, what uh, this woman can do uh, at her age is, is
1: absolutely stunning. Andre Lewis is Executive Artistic Director of the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. Evelyn Hart back in town to be a part of the world premiere of Vespers. And is this an opportunity for those that maybe have not seen the ballet? I know we're trying to reach out to people that maybe haven't taken the plunge yet. Is this a good excuse, a good reason to maybe attend or, or, or an old-time ballet fan to say, come see Evelyn Hart and drag somebody else to the concert hall to see?
6: Yes, absolutely. There's nothing uh, difficult to understand in this. There's beautiful pattern, beautiful music of Monteverdi, uh, beautiful choir. Uh, Mel Braun is with us, too. The Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. The quality of the dancing. uh, And, you know, if you've never been to ballet, you'll love it. And if you've been to ballet, you'll love it doubly, again, because you, you, you come from a background of it, or just seeing Evelyn, uh, or just for Mother's Day, say, Mom, I'm taking you to the ballet, or Grandma, I'm taking you to the ballet, it's a wonderful way of celebrate uh, of, uh, the Mother's Day. I mean, it's, it's just perfect, I think.
0: And we also wanted to touch, you mentioned uh, Monteverde's score along with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, but you'll also have a group, a uh, Winnipeg-based vocal group called Camerata yes. Nova. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. them?
6: Uh, well, it's Mel Bronze group. It's a choir. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful group because the Monteverde music requires uh, this choir it's a beautiful piece of music that was created I I don't even remember now when it was uh, first composed and uh, Mel is uh, we've worked with Mel before on other uh, projects and it's wonderful to be back with Mel actually.
1: Andre, thank you for this. Uh, We look forward to uh, reading the reviews and and getting the feedback on Vesper's Royal Winnipeg Ballet. This is the world premiere. And, of course, uh, we like to call her our own Evelyn Hart back on stage at Centennial Concert Hall.
6: Absolutely. She's a great lady. I say it's worth seeing every moment of it. And, you know, we should be proud of the fact that uh, Winnipeg, the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, the school, and the company uh, certainly support one of the great ballerinas of our age.
0: Andre Lewis, thank you so much. Once again, he is the Executive Artistic Director of the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, talking about Vespers, which is on from tomorrow night through Sunday afternoon. So, tomorrow. Thursday, Friday, Saturday at seven thirty PM and then Sunday afternoon at two PM. You can get tickets at rwb.org.
1: We got stuff to give away. I think we'll have to get to that. Next. 318, Bishop Grand, and imagine that problems on Bishop Grand in two days in a row. Beware of that. What do we're, you want to do here? Well, we're hmm, we're gonna give some stuff away. Okay. I blocked uh, the phone line, so okay. people can't call in quite yet.
0: But I, I I left. I've just realized that I put something together for that, and yes. I've left. It's it's on my desk. It's okay. not. I haven't put it anywhere where I can find it. So in the meantime, I I'm saw gonna, you scrambling
1: a little bit. Yes, there, so. I,
0: <laughs> I can see the panic <laughs> on my face. So while I am, I run out to the newsroom. Oh,
1: are you going to let me read? Yeah, I'm going to pass this idea. off to you. No, you're going to read
0: the the Mother's Day story while I go deal with my okay. own mess.
1: All right, sounds good. So uh, we are celebrating Mother's Day, uh, Curios, the uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. That is a Cirque du Soleil production coming to Winnipeg uh, starting June the 3rd. We're giving away tickets for your story about your mom. For your mom, just go to cjob.com, share your story. And you may be lucky enough, like today's storyteller, Stephanie Miles, to have Their story read on the air and you'll get two tickets to see Curios. My mother-in-law is the greatest mother because she treats me like her own. After losing my own biological mother to tragedy, I have since felt a void not having anyone to talk to or turn to in times of need. Over the years, my mother-in-law and I have created a close bond. She has been there through some very tough times for our little family. She's a wonderful grandmother who throws birthday parties for her grandchildren. She sent us to Niagara Falls because one day I mentioned that I had never been there and have always wanted to see the falls. One day she told me we were going. I almost cried. We also toured the wineries in the region and spent a couple of weeks in Toronto. It was wonderful. Not only is she a generous person, but is extremely smart and hardworking. After years of being out of school, she decided she was going back to university. She's 60 years old. This is a great story. Not only that, she has the highest GPA at the university. She holds many awards. I think she is amazing in many ways and deserves a treat. I could never thank her enough. Lastly, I think this would be a great way for her to celebrate her upcoming graduation. She is 60 years old, as I said, and is receiving her degree for the first time in her life. It would be amazing to have her go to Cirque du Soleil. I hope we win. And uh, Stephanie Miles, you absolutely have won. What an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that with us.
0: So, Curios, Cabinet of Curiosities, Cirque du Soleil, Stephanie Miles, thank you for sharing that story. And we have more stories to read throughout the week right here on Mackling & McGarry. Just like we have other prizes to give away involving Y2J. Allow me... To beat the box office tickets to Chris Jericho, the words of Jericho, Friday, August 25th at the Club Region Event Center. The question today, the trivia question that you need to pick up the phone and call, what was the name? Of Chris Jericho's finishing move when he was in WCW and what did they change it to when he jumped to the WWE? My word. I actually know this. You do? Yeah. See, wrestling fans will know it like that. 204 780 What was the name of Chris Jericho's finisher in WCW and what did they change it to when he jumped to the WWE? 204 780 and this is going to be uh, a popular, a big show, I think. This words of Jericho, because he's—I mean, it, the fact that he's a Winnipegger is tremendous. But in terms of, I think, if you look sort of back at at wrestling in general. I—I I think it's safe to say he's one of the most successful, easily one of the best
1: uh, mic performers. Yeah, there in has and out of the been. ring, right? A great communicator, and uh, not that we typically uh, send you away from Six Eighty CGOB or any of our podcasts or rebroadcasts. But he has an outstanding podcast himself. He has fantastic guests, great insight, super entertaining. Do you remember what it's called? But no, I'm going can... off the top of my head okay. here and because uh, I do peruse the the podcast, but I apologize for not having the name oh, no, of it no. off the top of my head. Because
0: Podcast one. Oh, no, wait. It's Talk is Jericho. There you go. There it is. Talk is Jericho. Of course, that makes sense. He also hosted a talk show on WWE. I can't remember the name of that. where He would... Typically involve it would typically involve him having a guest in the ring and then he would probably beat them up.
1: Well, what I think is great about him is the fact that he realized it was time to get out of the physical side of the business. And of course, he's got his rock and roll group. I won't name it now because it might be the source of inspiration for another trivia question. I thought he was. I thought he came back. Is he wrestling again? I think he might be wrestling. Oh, so again. much for that. I was giving him kudos for getting out of the physical game of wrestling. No,
0: I think he, uh, oh, wait, uh, as of April 1st, Chris Jeroka confirms his WWE run is rest, is ending. So I think cool. he, he did come back, though. He went, he did come back for a little while, but looks like he might be exiting. Anyway, we're 204-780-6868 is the number to call. In the meantime, we'll have a quick look at your forecast up next.
1: 338 Tuesday afternoon, and a story that came across uh, Global News yesterday, uh, I guess about 26 hours ago. Caught my attention. Here's the headline. Russian site streams live video of Canadian living rooms and daycares. David Papp joins us now, davidpapp.com. He's a tech pioneer specializing in social media, cybersecurity, and privacy. And uh, David, uh, thanks for being available to us this afternoon. Have you seen this story? And um, how startling is it to you? I know it's tough to startle you when it comes to privacy breaches uh, in the world of IT, but this has to be uh, disconcerting at the very least.
7: Oh, it's very disconcerting, but uh, unfortunately, it's actually an old story that I've been seeing for years and years. Don't trust your webcams. Wow. <laughs> like, it's just this stuff has been going on forever. Um, the, the problem that we have is there's a lot of unsecured webcams that are available right now out there that are uh, being tapped into remotely. Well,
1: uh, well if this is an old most- story. Here's the new one. Over 500 security cameras watching Canadian homes, workplaces, churches and daycares are being live streamed by a site based in Moscow. Global News has learned we won't give out, I'm not going to give out the website for for people to take a look at that, but uh, continue your warning to people, David. Uh, Basically,
7: um, the the problem is that webcams are so common and popular and we've got them built into monitors, built into laptops, built into, you know, your devices, including, you know, separate ones. We're essentially saying, you know, unplug it or disconnect it or cover it if you're not in use. I actually put a little post-it note on mine when I'm not using it. Uh, If you're relying on the fact that a little blinking light or red light might come on when it's being tapped into, they've learned to circumvent that. Uh, make sure that you use strong passwords on your, you know, webcams if you're accessing them remotely. Update your firmware on them because they all have software that they rely on. It, it's just this is a very common ongoing issue that's been going on for a long time. Like if you can see your camera remote, so can someone else. Like assume that, assume that that camera is always live.
0: So are we also talk? You mentioned our devices. Are we talking about cell phones as well?
7: Uh, cell phones are generally uh, a lot more secure just because uh, people aren't compromising the software on them. But especially if you have uh, an iPhone, uh, the software on an iPhone is a very rigid. Process to go through Apple's uh, iTunes, their um, the vetting process to get apps put on them. The Android market is a little bit more open. It's more Wild West because anybody can publish an app out there. In fact, uh, I had done a. A feature on that about a year ago where the top 10 flashlight apps uh, out on the market for Androids. They were all spyware, every single one of them.
1: So I know you've mentioned the idea of uh, protecting and using some sort of uh, antivirus, pardon me, on your phone in the past. Uh, Does that include iPhone or is iPhone still as infallible as a lot of people think it is?
7: It's not infallible, but it's actually very good for security-wise. you, in fact, Apple is frowning upon the, the term anti-spyware, anti-virus in use of their apps. Uh, they don't like that because they feel that that's not the case. Uh, however, there are a number of security apps that are available just to make sure that things are locked down for settings. David, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, Greg, if you saw it, but when you mentioned the flashlight thing, my eyes almost fell out of my skull because I have a flashlight app and I have an Android phone. So I very hastily Googled David Papp, flashlight, Android, <laughs> to find the list. Um, what When you say that an app is spyware, what is a, the common thing that these apps are doing while they're on your phone?
7: Uh, essentially what they're doing is they're sending information that they're collecting uh, about your phone on uh, on back channels. And what I mean by that is could be things like your contact lists, uh, your usage, maybe your GPS information of where you're located, any kind of information that they can tap into, they're sending that out and collecting it on remote sites. And it's, un- it's unfortunate um, that that information can get through. But with Android's, There is no vetting process to putting apps on their app store on Google Play. It just, anybody can do it and it just appears.
1: Before we let you go, we'll get back to this uh, video camera story and the idea that we've got these doorbells that you can uh, that have video cameras built in. A lot of people using baby monitors uh, in their home in order to uh, feel more comfortable about what their babies are up to when they're in a different room. Uh, these things come with factory passwords. Uh, it's critical that you create one and not just go to the default setting, David. 100%.
7: And don't even use the same password you use on other accounts because that's another way that they get in. You don't realize that they might have compromised your online account to re- access that. And even more scarier, the stories that we've been hearing in the last year where there's two-way audio on the cameras, So not only are they watching you, but they can listen into your conversations and also speak. There was a case uh, 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 about six months ago where somebody was screaming into a uh, webcam at a baby that was sleeping, and it was it, like that greatly disturbed the parents because they, they kept waking up the baby and it was being done through the webcam.
0: <laughs> That's scary. Greg's now, scary. now, now Greg's eyes are about to fall out of his face.
1: It just never ceases to amaze me the extent to which people will go to make other people's lives mi- miserable just because they can.
7: Absolutely. Yep. They don't think of the consequences. There are no consequences.
1: David, with all this knowledge that you carry around with you, it's got to be awfully easy for you to be a cynical guy.
7: Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I, you know, technology, you've got to realize that uh, everything that we do with technology generally is because of convenience, and that convenience comes with a cost. you got to remember, if you're making it easy for yourself to view things, access things, log into things, view a camera, you're making it easy for other people to do the same thing.
1: I think that's uh, some of the best advice you ever give when you come on the air with us here at 680 CGOB, and you you always uh, remind us that there is a trade-off. There's a reason someone wants to give you an app, and if it seems like something that's trite and something uh, a little bit fun, uh, you may be trading more than you bargain for for that uh, fun flashlight or that fun editing app.
0: Absolutely. All right. David Papp, thank you so much for your insight on this, David Papp, tech expert. Go to his website, davidpapp.com. Just got to quickly congratulate somebody. We were looking to give away tickets for The Words of Jericho, Chris Jericho, Friday, August 25th at Club Region Event Center. There ain't a better body in the world than this gorgeous piece of meat. (laughs) question today was what was the name of Chris Jericho's finisher in WCW and what did they change it to when he jumped to the
1: WWE Greg you said you knew the answer what was it (laughs) I'm I'm thinking about this David Papp stuff you'll have to give it I'm I'm distracted now
0: in WCW it was the lion tamer of course and in WWE it was the walls of jericho hence the name of the show chris jericho the words of jericho once again friday august 25th club region event center we have more beat the box office tickets to give away throughout the week on Mackling and McGarry. Just want to let you know about that
1: three-vehicle crash. Wilkes at Wil- uh, Elmhurst, traffic moving slowly in both directions, and uh, that two-vehicle collision on uh, Bishop Grand River Road. No lanes are blocked off, but traffic is backed up to Waverly. At last report, there's also construction in that area.
0: Traffic and weather together, all up next.
1: Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling, and now joined by Julie Buckingham. And I think I hear Richard Cloutier entering the studio. They will uh, get you home safe and informed straight through until 7 o'clock tonight. Julie, uh, gas prices are on the rise. We just got a text message in the last hour from our loyal listener, Michaela. Let let me guess. Your tank is empty.
8: Well, close. And it's, you know, I can't fill up for another three hours. It's
1: going to go up. It's going to go down. Deal with it, folks.
0: Richard clearly has uh, the... Yeah. He's got it all figured out.
1: Yeah. He's got his system down, I guess. So. <laughs> it's going to go up.
7: Well, seriously. It's it's feeling gonna, very, some point, he's
8: feeling very zen today. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Zen coffee. But at,
1: at what point
7: does, you know, gas prices go up and down? Like, when is it news? Sometimes we make too much. Of, like, they're going to go up, and we're going to be outraged, and then they're going to go down, and go,
8: huh. We can say that about a lot of things, though.
0: Yeah. Next time I hear Dan McTague on your show, I'll be sure to come knock on the door. Yeah, Same. absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, Why what are you is this doing, McTagg? Why is this news? Why is this news? <laughs> McGarry, you are free
7: to, sh- you know, to shout me out anytime. You
1: know that. So what are you guys following? What are you chasing? Well, well we're think- going to do
7: a whole thing on gas prices
1: coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what time is that coming up at? <laughs>
8: Uh yeah, no, no. That's probably not not going to happen. Uh we will have more <laughs> from the courts on the on the sentencing hearing of the Taekwondo instructor, but of course, uh, following up on this, what we need to know as parents in terms of we know that when you sign your your children up for the sports programs through your community center and that type of thing that those coaches and mostly parent volunteers are all vetted and they have to complete their checks, but what happens if you sign your kid up for You know, a sports school outside of that, or an arts program, or a music. Uh, a music school where, where they're in a, in a in a closed room together, do those teachers need to, or instructors need to have those certificates? And should, should they be displayed? Should they be displayed inside the wall of a business? Um, that type of thing, we'll we'll discuss that a little bit more. Well, and- we,
1: we spent an entire hour on this question last week, uh, l- last week Tuesday with Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman and Dr. Kirsten Wirth about some of the things that you have to be mindful of, and you can go back on our Omni, on our iTunes, our podcast. And you can check that out because there was some really good advice there. Absolutely. And 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 this is why we talk about these things because of what happened today.
8: It can be awkward for parents. You think, oh, she's such a nice piano teacher.
1: It
7: shouldn't be awkward. Seems
8: like a nice piano teacher. Do I really need to ask for that certificate? On
7: on the heels of that soldier being identified through DNA, we're going to
1: bring the folks on from uh, Ancestry. DNA. DNA. Fascinating stuff, right? Yeah, and a simple explainer. How do you go about doing this? Because you can, you know, do it at home and mail it in and find out what you are,
7: And right? should you
8: be worried if you send that away? Because I know in some places in the States, police have had access to that to try and solve some cold cases as well.
0: Oh, Wow, Mm
1: -hmm. that's interesting. So lots of interesting
7: things
0: beyond
1: gas
7: prices.
0: Our
8: big talker, uh, and it's posted on our (laughs) 680 CJOB Facebook page, is uh, about Dove's Real Beauty campaign, and they've worked really hard to try and get women in particular, and, and young girls to embrace their body shapes and no body shaming and all of that. And we will have a, a global national online reporter uh, join us to talk a little bit about it. But we've posted it at CJOB's Facebook page, pictures of these dove bottles. And there's like a pear-shaped one, there's a tall, lean one, there's a curvy one. And there's a lot of outrage of people saying, wait a second, should should a woman that's pear-shaped be expected to buy the pear-shaped body wash in mm. that bottle so you can see the pictures of the bottles what they look like and mm. tell us if you think it's a good thing or a bad thing and I'll that's tell you more only more about in the hour
0: one that's only hour one it's a jam-packed show I'm shaped mostly like a, like a large drum
8: I just... Well, there's a there's a body wash bottle for you, apparently, <laughs> so and you I'm can check them all out. I'm waiting for that
7: promo to show up on 680 CJOB. <laughs> 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 Richard Cloutier
0: and Julie Buckingham, thank you so much. We appreciate the time, and you will appreciate their information from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB. Uh, I bet you Richard isn't as outraged about the gas prices because he's like me. He filled up last night.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's always about personal experience, right?
0: Mm-hmm. It's like, for me, it's just, oh, yeah. I filled up you last night.
1: You worrying about that? Normally, I would be worried about that and talk about it for 16 minutes, but I filled up yesterday, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> I'm I, Richard Kluge. Well, no, <laughs> that's that. I thought you were you were sort of paraphrasing for me. No, I was I, paraphrasing, for oh, ri- okay. paraphrasing for Richard. And actually, I filled up last night too, but I'm still <laughs> outraged. I'm with you, those on empty. I'm with you in the lineup that we've created now because the gas prices are going up around around the city. I don't know. There's small victories in life, and one of those small victories is actually filling up your tank before the tank and the and the gas price goes up.
0: We have gone over time. Sorry, Jeff Forte. We're done.